Welcome to Man Reads Monday. I am Aaron Ventura. He is Jacob Rush. Let's get to work. Jacob, what are we working through today? Today we are in chapters eight and nine of Dave Ramsey's book, Total Money Makeover. So we're in baby step three to four. Yes, so today we are going to cover kind of the the middle uh, hump steps, really. I yeah. Think if you get through baby step four, you're basically into wealth building mode. Like, right. if you can get... Uh, so, for people who are just joining us, yeah. tell us what's baby step one and two. Yeah, so baby step one is, you know, get an emergency fund fast. So $1,000 um, cash, you know, something liquid, um, so that you've got a protection against whatever is yeah. going to go wrong in the life. The little Murphys, those little things that come up. Yeah, right. exactly. And the second one is the debt snowball, which we've properly <laughs> understood this week, right? Which is, you know, if you're coming into your kind of financial situation with you know, uh, student loans or credit cards, um, you're paying off those debts yep. little by little so that you can be totally debt-free, except for your home mortgage. He's going to say that's the only kind of debt you want right now, um, and that's the only kind of debt that we can be okay with. Yeah. Um, but the you you cannot be okay with there being other debts in your life. Yeah, so uh, uh, we're, we are recording this in December, but it, this is coming out probably in January. Yeah. So this is our first episode of January and new uh, now is a lot of uh, is the time where a lot of people are setting goals maybe you had a new year's resolution and i yep. think for a lot for Gym a lot of people if you are mapping out one of the things that i really appreciate appreciate and i actually just finished reading his complete guide to money okay. which is a way more comprehensive kind of version so um, if you are somewhat annoyed or put off by some of the motivational speak in in this book, yeah. um, which is a bit more popular level. Mm. I highly recommend getting that complete guide to money because it is just um, it, it's kind of like everything. It's an expanded version of financial peace, or it's, yeah, it's supposed to be the kind of book that you would use also as a reference. So yeah. I just read it straight through, and there's some stuff that he'll he'll actually quote. It was yeah. written after Total Money Makeover, also. Oh, neat. So it's even even a newer book than this, and he'll even quote from here and expand on certain topics. But um, if if you do have debt, I would encourage you. Uh, and one of the things that I have been encouraged by is how much time, how practical it is, and how uh, little amount of time you can actually make progress. Mm. So if you have a bunch of debt, um, he thinks most people should be able to <clears throat> pay down that amount of debt in a year or two. Yeah, right. Months, yeah. And, and I think he's even going to say, uh, where do I have it in my notes? Um, here. Um, he, so he, he's, he's going to say it on page 138 about how long does it normally take to finish step three? Yeah. And so step three is finishing that emergency fund. Yep. Um, well, he says if you start, depends on where you start, of course. So like you and I, right. uh, so this is actually where I'm at right now, or kind of am at, d- depends. I'll, I'll explain that in a sec. Mm-hmm. But um, he says it, it could just take you two to two and a half years starting at your total money makeover. He says that's standard. That's average. Yeah. So if you are if you are in debt, don't have $1,000, He's he says in two and a half years, you should actually be able to complete Baby step three, and I and I find that very encouraging. Now it's going. There's going to be a lot of sacrifices that probably need 
to be made. Right. Um, but but it's possible. And so that's one of the fun fun parts. And and I think these are the most fun steps. Are you're talking about saving and insurance stuff, but also investing in, in step four, which which is which is really fun. Yeah, and you can also think about what we've been doing in a lot of ways. You know, approaching it like a weight loss challenge, right? This you're the the man in the mirror is the man with the problem, and the steps we've covered so far are the digging yourself out of the hole, yeah. right? They've they've all been re- either negative, reactionary, yeah. or defensive. You did dumb stuff. Yes. You didn't plan ahead. You did dumb stuff. And and now you're paying the consequences. <laughs> yep. Once you've paid the consequences, how do you actually start building positively? So yep. yeah, so digging yourself out. So you're you're now out of the muck. You're, you're not fat. Yep. You're yeah, but you're not you're not uh, shredded yet either. Right, yeah. So you know you're you're very yeah. You have dad bod. You're yep. a, you're very average. Maybe a little a little bit flabby. Right. Uh, so and you've now you've got the fences. This this is what this one is going to be. The emergency fund fully funding it is building up the the walls. Right. So the change the metaphor. You've got these different financial. Uh, burdens or situations that are going to try to attack you, yep. you are fortified. And then, like you said, you get on to actually building wealth. Yeah. And, th- and this would kind of align with what it says in Proverbs, where it says a man's wealth is his high tower. Uh, one says uh, kind of in his imagination. So we right. know that cities can be conquered, but they're fortified. Mm. And and yet he's, uh, uh, Proverbs is going to say there's a sense in which these kinds of uh, funds, emergency, investment, that's kind of ensuring your city. Yeah. Uh, we talked in uh, Solomon says about you, your ru- the man who rules himself is a powerful man, and so you're yeah. you're thinking of yourself like a city, and now we're we're building up some walls to make it more uh, protected. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the emergency fund. What is the emergency fund? How much should go in it? How do we figure this out? Yeah, so he's going to say that a fully funded emergency fund, so you think you got $1,000, and he said that's not where you want to stop, but a fully funded one should cover three to six months of expenses. Yeah. And that's significant that he says expenses. Um, and, and this not is what, income. Exactly. So you're not thinking, you know, three to six of my paycheck. Right. Right. You're thinking, okay, when we did a budget in step one to figure out what is actually the necessities, the, the essentials that have yeah. to come out, and then everything else is excess to either save or uh, pay off that whatever that was. Um, he's going to say, take that, calculate what your expenses are, yeah. and then you need to be able to, and this is where there's a, a bit of wiggle room and, and wisdom in yeah. figuring out your situation, knowing how uh, volatile your own economic, whether it's your job or your work, um, your situation is. But he's going to say, three to six months, you want to do that. Yeah. You want to have that uh, put in the bank and we'll talk about the right way to kind of s- store it because yeah. there's dumb ways to do it. Yeah. So I'll tell you a funny story. So in preparation for this podcast, I thought, uh, so, so where I'm at right now is I, I recently, because the year, the fiscal year, the, I guess the year year was, was coming up, we had some money in the bank and I wanted to not just let it sit there. Uh, we wanted to figure out how to grow it. And then I wanted to open a Roth IRA for my wife. So, uh, I thought, okay, we've got this, this money. Uh, we don't need it just sitting in savings. So let's open up a Roth and let's just max it out because it's December and and we'll get it in before the new year starts. So we put 6,000 in, in my Roth and then 6,000 in hers. 
And that's about the amount that, that would fit us well within that three to six month emergency fund. So, so you could almost kind of say, I took what could have been our a very nice emergency fund, yep. which so we could live on three grand probably a month or, or even less, depending if, if yeah, I yeah. looked at it. <clears throat> so, so on the low end, an emergency fund would be nine grand. On the higher end, we're looking more like 18 yep. to, to 20, let's say. So, yeah. um, so I, I had done this knowing about the emergency fund, but thinking I can replenish this, I think, fairly quickly. I want to take advantage of getting the, that, the Roth in early because I won't be able to do that in right. six months or whatever. Yep. So that's what we did. And I was thinking, hmm, I wonder if I should if what Dave would have said, if he would have said, you know, what would you, Dave you should have do? done that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and, and it also gets into uh, kind of saving for uh, a down payment on a home. So right now we have not purchased a home. We yep. have no debt. We're, we're renting. Yeah. And I, I like that. I like not having debt. Exactly. Um, and I met with a lender, met with a real estate agent, and we're, we're thinking through at what point do we want to do that? So by putting the money in that Roth, we, at least we we hopefully will grow that at let's say ten to twelve percent over the next five fifteen years. Yeah, but there's no penalty for withdrawing it if we need to pull that for, for a down home. payment. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, the funny story that I was going to uh, say, but I went on this oh, okay. the side uh, tangent was I asked Ellen uh, at like dinner last night. I said, "What? How much money?" would you want in our savings account that would make you feel safe? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I just thought like, I have no Let's idea. Let's just see what yeah, she, so yeah, she yeah. hasn't read this yet. Yeah. And she goes, she just kind of like sits in silence there, like thinking for a little bit. And she goes, well, I know one amount that would make me feel secure, $1 million. <laughs> 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 and you're just like, oh man. And I, and I was like trying to explain it's her like, imagine I lost my job. You know, I got fired today. W- what would make you not worried? And, and so a yeah, million yeah, dollars yeah. was the number she came up with. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. um, no. Um, well, what's your I was expenses, like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, uh, if we had a million dollars, I could quit my job. <laughs> That's um, so funny. So, so uh, then I asked her more like, well, yeah. you know what our budget is. Like, imagine ima- how, how long <laughs> until I could basically find another job. So we need to buy time. That's yeah, kind of yeah. what, what it's for. And so she said, I don't know, maybe like $5,000. And so she went from like a million, a million. to like <laughs> something that is actually even below. Yeah. But but that for me was really helpful to know um, what is her level of security. Yeah. And what is that dollar amount? And he even talks it's in a big here part of this chapter. about like his wife. That's that's why I did it. Is yeah. His wife is like, we need an emergency fund for the emergency fund, <laughs> right? We we need extra layers right. of security because of things that have happened in the past. I mean, any thoughts? No, on that? no, that's really good. Well, uh, and I love he talks about like her heart level racing when yes. he when he even gets near, gets near the it. drawer because yeah. he um, one of the things he says is. You um, again, basing on that principle of em- this is for emergencies, right? This is um, you want this fence high before you move on to kind of the investment thing, which may be where he would criticize you. I don't really know before um, because you don't know what is going to happen, right? Uh, and so he gives this range of like five grand yep. to twenty-five grand. So it's good that Ellen, you know, Ellen landed yeah. right in the the I'm lower end. Yeah. Uh, it's good. Um, he says that's that's a good amount that you want to have and you want to store it in a place where it's easily accessible where you don't face any penalties yeah right so you don't want to put it in a you know a cd a certificate of deposit or you don't want to put it in a mutual fund either because 
it's going to have penalties, it would draw, it's going to be connected to the market. You just want it to be you know, <coughs> cash, plain and simple, money in the bank for a rainy day. Yeah. And he, he does mention some of the differences between men and women. And I've noticed this even in myself where I'm like, I don't like the idea of money sitting, sitting there. there. It's a good point. I want yeah. it to be in the stock market. I want it to be invest. I want it to be doing things, yeah. growing. And so, <clears throat> so my temptation would be, all right, I can just start throwing money in the savings account where it's just going to sit there and basically make nothing. You know, yeah. I get one penny or something. Yeah, you know? It's point zero one percent interest. Yeah. It's, right. it's very, it's very tiny, it's and uh, that, that's that's hard for me to do. But the reason why, so I c- I could dump all of that into say a mutual fund or yep. or even just like stocks where uh, you know I could, safe, I could withdraw yep. and then take it out. The reason why you wouldn't want to do it. So, that, so that's a risk. But he would say that's not a genuine emergency fund because if there is this kind of emergency that happens, right? often it means the economy is either recessing or there's some kind of, uh, there's a good chance. Some turmoil. Something. Yeah, there's a good chance your stocks or your bonds or whatever are going to be lower. lower. Right. And at the time that you most need it. And so you risk taking a loss if you're like, I, I need that 10 grand right now, right. but it's tied up in stocks and the market happens to be down at the moment. Yeah. You you risk actually losing some of the amount that that you think could grow. So, yeah. so that'd be one reason he said, so I, I, we're planning on just having it in a, a basic savings account. He talks about some of these other kind of money market accounts and so forth, mm-hmm. which to me, I'm like, I, I don't know if I'm going to do that or not. Um, but I thought, let's, t- let's define what an emergency is. So this is on page, uh, bottom of page 126. Cause I think for a lot of people, we, we do define emergencies Different, so I think it's good for us to know what exactly is this fund for. Yeah. Whether that's that one thousand dollar kind of fund you have. Yeah, yeah. Or it it, it gets up to that three to six months. So yeah. take us through what some of those emergencies are. Yeah. So he says, and this is at the bottom of that page: emergency is something you had no way of knowing what was coming, something that has a major impact on you and your family if you don't cover it. Okay. And then he goes on to say includes paying the deductible on medical homeowners or car insurance after an accident, a job loss or cutback, medical bills resulting from an accident, a blown transmission or engine in a car you need to function. So um, we were actually talking about this the other day because this affects so decisions you make when it comes to buying health insurance, Yeah. right? Um, you need to know what's the maximum amount you could cover on a deductible. Yeah. But, uh, and that will affect how much you either start saving for or what or the other way around, what you have saved may affect the kind of risk you're willing to take yeah. on a health insurance plan. You may opt for a higher deductible if you have a larger emergency fund if it means that you get to pay a lower you know, monthly rate. So, yeah, he says, these are kinds of emergencies. Uh, I want to go into a business, right? I want to st- start my own business or I we need a trip, um, right, vacation, or even, again, he's going to have a later chapter, college fund, mm-hmm. right? These are not emergencies yeah. and um, christmas is not an emergency christmas, i forgot to shop yeah 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 is it go, go ahead oh, is it, basically if you can reasonably save for and budget for the thing right even if it means you can't get it right now because again key thing of, of all this is patience yeah right the temptation is just to say well it feels like an emergency or like yeah. here's my opportunity so i'm yeah. going to dip in and he says no if you can reasonably budget for and save it then it's not an emergency yeah and I think the 
uh, he has a really great section on this in his other book, The Complete Guide to Money, which I highly recommend in regards to insurance and uh, calculating break-even points, whether that's with car insurance or this or that. Um, so <clears throat> I had taken off my, so I have a uh, car with 200,000 miles on it. And I realized, why am I paying all this insurance on this car that's only worth a couple thousand dollars if I sell it? Right. I don't need that. And save me, you know, hundreds of dollars to just remove that coverage. And I was like, I was kind of dumb of me to be even having that mm. once I reached a certain point with, with the vehicle. Yeah. Um, so th there's uh, there's ways of actually just doing the math on that. And he walks through how to calculate your, your break even, your risk reward. And we need to do that, right? Insurance is the least fun thing to do, but it's also one of the most important parts. And the hot, the more you have in your emergency fund, mm. the, the more able you are to say, should I have the low monthly payment and the high deductible yeah. or somewhere in, in between. Yeah, and this takes us kind of forward because um, he's going to say the main point about this is to absorb risk, right? Um, and so this is where your current situation comes into play. He says, this is on page 129, um, you know, uh, so asking the question, should you do the three months rule, the six months rule? Yeah. And he says, if you earn straight commission or are self-employed, you should use the six months rule. <coughs> If you are single or you are a one-income married household, you should use the six-months rule because a job loss in your situation is 100% cut in the household income. Yep. So you can imagine a situation where either maybe both people have a paycheck or say um, the kind of work, you've got multiple kind of avenues of income, and so you don't need to uh, have this larger sum of money saved up because in an emergency, because either of the demand of your job mm -hmm. or the kind of diversity of your streams, you're able to kind of recuperate faster. But if you're a single, uh, if you're a single guy, or let's say, yeah, you're married and your wife's at home, you're the only one working, they're dependent on you, then you want to use the larger kind of rule because again, absorbing that risk. Yep. So, yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, moving on into actually, uh, so when it does come to buying a house, he, he mentions that there's a kind of step 3B before we get to mm. step 4. So uh, if you if you own a house, you can kind of just fast forward. But if you don't own a house and you're trying to decide when to buy a house, he's going to say basically you want to um, make sure you can afford um, any repairs and kinds of things that are going to come up on it. Right now, pretty much every real estate agent is going to tell you and lender that because interest rates are so low right now, yep. they're, they're going to say pretty much the only place that it's going to go is up. So it's so now is the best time just because of interest rates. And I imagine there are lots of people in Moscow and around the country who are buying houses with very little down and trying to lock in this low interest rate. Mm. And my one worry and one concern and caution for people is, so, because people are going to say that renting is kind of like throwing your money away. And uh, that's not true because uh, owning stuff costs money. There's all sorts of expenses that come with it. And and one of the, the blessings of renting is that you're just not responsible for right. repairs and things that go wrong. And you just treat it differently, right? right. Um, it, let's say you buy a house, and now your wife wants to, you know, change the carpet, remodel, she wants the to kitchen. remodel it. You start realizing that there's all sorts of expenses that 
that come up with it, or even something as simple as like pest control. Okay, think of something like very small and simple. Like I don't got to do that at our our apartment. Right. right for, there's no re, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, no pests. Yeah, but if yeah, I yeah. if I'm owning it, I gotta like I gotta do yard work. That might mean I need to buy, buy a, a shed. I need to buy a lawnmower. Yep. There's all these other costs that we normally don't consider, and don't and often don't tell people about. We only tell them about the their per, uh, their purchase power based on right. their credit score for actually buying the house right. you can say oh look you could own this you could buy it but you don't realize that it's going to trigger three four five other budget line items yeah. that you may have not accounted for and so i would just want to caution folks who are thinking all right interest rates are low mm. i want to buy right now mm. not getting ahead of yourself and and there may be times especially if the market's strong where yeah it could appreciate in the long term but is it worth the the right. margin that you're risking. And so I would say having this emergency fund, if you do have that, it does it does at that point green light you where if there is a major uh, problem with the house or something goes wrong, right. like it's crazy. Like, you know, now you got to dig up the septic tank or something like that. Like these things can be very expensive. Imagine that happening. You bought your nice house. And you have no emergency fund because you use that emergency fund as your down payment. Mm. Well, man, how are you going to fix that thing? You're going to have to use the credit card. You're going to have to do something. And now you've started to go backwards. Yeah. Right. So, so this is a, a like buying a house yeah. is the biggest, most important, perhaps financial decision you'll ever make. And he's going to say, please do not do that until you can meet some of these other requirements, like. Uh, you can afford a 15-year mm. fixed. It's less than a quarter of your total income, and you can afford to pay, you know, 20% down. Right. And for a lot of people, if you just run run them through that grid, these people should not be buying houses. Yeah. yeah no, no, that's really good. And I think one of the things that made me think about too is kind of a central another central point in this whole thing is that your income is going to be the generator, right? The the engine of you know your ability to build wealth but also your ability to maintain your budget yeah. and so especially for i think that's a very good caution especially as a, a young guy and, and and a lot of young families who are thinking this way um that's a very big thing uh restraint constraint to put on their income yeah. at such an early stage in their uh, income making yeah right so because you can't invest now Right. right. You can't even do this next step we're about to talk about. Exactly. And two, um, you're kind of like you're saying, you're constraining yourself before you, you know, before you're actually making enough money yeah. to be able to uh, account for all these contingencies that show up. And so, yeah, I do think you're, you're right. There's a lot of wisdom in, you know, your income is hopefully, you know, Lord willing over through your twenties going to just increase. And so you're in a, it's better, more wise to, okay, I'm taking, I'm renting this house. Granted, it's not mine, <clears throat> but I'm not putting all these fetters on my income yeah. to prepare for that moment. And Lord willing, my income is growing every year. Yeah. I'm making more money. And so, like you said, you, just for that little bit of patience and yeah, living in one sense below your means or below your dreams, yeah. you're saving yourself a lot of headache and heartache um, even just five years later. Yeah. And this would be one place where I would, so we talk to college students and stuff all the time, or even like recent graduates and they're, they're working, maybe they're still living with some friends and they're wanting to now get, get their own spot. 
I think that is the time where like get a second job, like work nights or something and just just commit to say everything that I make from this little other, you know, 10, 15 hour job you're going to you're going to pick up or working nights or something like that. Mm. And just set aside like everything in there is going to be my emergency fund. And then and, and let's say you funded that, then you could choose okay, I'm going to I'm going to cut back now or you could just say it's going to be for emergency fund and then once I hit that amount, everything else is going to be my down payment. Like yeah. this this whole job that I'm taking on is just for down payment to buy a house, mm-hmm. and if you if you were to do that for a year or two years, even um, that is going to save you so much in the long term when you're actually purchasing, because now you are able to afford to get a 15 year term mm. on on your loan, and and when you run the math, I mean that it, that does save you twice the amount of time, and often you know. That's $150,000 or more often on like your average home purchase, which if that was all, if you just run the math again and say, what if that had been in those Roths or in that 401k, we're talking about millions of dollars when the interest has compounded down the road. And so it's these small decisions that you are making, small kind of insignificant seemingly disciplines now that really bloom and explode even exponentially because of interest that compounds in mm. 20, 30 years. Mm. Uh, and so if you are able to have the foresight and the discipline at 20 or even at 25, 30, like that is, that is, that is a generational kind of sh- change mm. that is going – like that's a, that's a big blessing that you are saving up for your, your, your future. It's good. All right, so so let's talk about baby step four, and this is about maximizing retirement investing. And as we said, this is kind of the hump that you got to get over. Um, So let's talk about what is retirement. So Mm -hmm. is this what John Piper (laughs) don't waste (laughs) your life hates with? Yeah, you're collecting seashells and stuff. So so what is retirement? Yeah, so he says it's not about quitting your job, right? So it's not okay when I hit. What is it now? Actually, I feel like the retirement age is super high right now. It's 65. Is it? I, th- I thought. I feel like it was. Mm, I didn't know they changed. They that they could change that. I thought. Uh, I forget when Social Security benefits kick in. I thought it was 65. Oh, so I see. Maybe someone that, can that, correct me. No, so. that could be. You could be right. But I mean, you're. I feel like you're saying later and later, um, people are having to work. Because, well, yeah, they are because they haven't done because, these things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and precisely also because you know the benefits that they're supposedly receiving from Social Security really doesn't cut it. Um, yeah. So it's not about quitting your job, and he even talks about if you hate your career path. Change it. Yeah. You know, don't do it that way. Yeah. Uh, that's a whole yeah, that's a whole other book and conversation. Right. Yeah. So he's talking about security, right? And this is the bottom of 141. When I speak of retirement, I think of security. Security means choices. You freedom. Can, yeah, freedom, yeah. exactly. You can choose to write a book, design churches, or spend time with your grandkids. You need to reach the point where your money works harder than you do. Yeah. So he's talking about so think about it, you know, we we use this analogy when it came to the debt snowball, right? Here's the we're accumulating this momentum that is just going to pay off all these debts. Now, on the other side of that, you're still doing a snowball, but it's working for you, yeah. right? It's it's actually a it's a positive, a wealth snowball, yeah. if you will, that is generating this momentum so that when you are older, you don't, you know, um, you're not fettered to 
kind of what we mentioned, that mindset, that mentality of corporate America where you're a wage slave for the rest of your life. That's not where you want to be. So you want to be making the decisions now so that, quote unquote, when you reach retirement, essentially you can make these choices to do these things with your time, to do these things with your money, yeah. um, sort of uh, things that you're passionate about, things that you care about uh, for Christians, things that are going to benefit the kingdom, right? Charity, acts of love and service. Um and not be worried about, oh, but I've got to, you yeah. know, do my nine to five. Yeah, you don't want to be punching the clock when you're 60. Yeah. That's that's unfitting. That's un, unnatural almost. <laughs> also hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this point of where your money works harder than you, he's going to say to get that, you need to put in a certain percentage of your gross income. So what is that percentage? 15. 15. And why 15? Um, why does he say that? That's a good, that's a good uh, question. I don't remember. Okay, so here, so here's how you need to kind of factor this in. So you need to ask the question: What, how much money will it take for for you to retire? So, so this is going to be a different amount for different people in different places and right. different times. And so uh, he says you need to be able to live off eight percent of your nest egg. So whatever is in that kind of mutual fund or that those accounts. By the time you are planning on retiring, whether that's 65 or earlier, depending, maybe it's later, mm-hmm. if you're starting later, but you need to be able to live off 8% of what's ever in there. And you can just calculate that. Um, and, and he said the, the reason why that 8% is you need to stay ahead of inflation, which gives you a 4% margin. So let's assume inflation is 3 to 4% or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then remember, what are the average 15-year returns? 12. So 8 plus 4 gives you that 12% because you don't want to just have saved up all this money and then just deplete it all. Yeah. You actually want it to continue to grow. So you're able to pull uh, just just 8% of that. It's growing at 12 and you can maintain and even grow. You're still increasing your standard of living. So think about what your standard of living is, what you want it to be, like how much money do you need per year? And a lot of people just just like have this idea that their standard of living is going to increase forever. But it's like, look, if you stopped working, the only way that's going to happen is if your accounts are still increasing. Otherwise, you don't want to be like outliving your money, right? That's that's yeah. the great fear. It's like what happens if you live to 80 or 90? Or hundred, yeah, right, and and you, you don't want to be looking at it and saying, "Oh no, it's just going down, down, down," and then you die with nothing, broke, yeah, after having Done saved so well. up so much because you depleted it. So, so this is how you calculate. So, fifteen percent, and so, um, like for for example, here at Christchurch, I believe we have a three percent match on a four hundred one k. So we'd say, okay, so there's so we we do up to the match. So there's three percent, and then you need to open anything that's tax free. You want to take advantage of, yeah. And for most people, your average American, uh, if you're if you're super wealthy, you actually can't use this, which is crazy. Uh, and it's like, we, why don't we have more of these? Yeah. But uh, open a Roth IRA for yourself. Open one up for your wife, even if she's not working. So my wife works at home. She doesn't ha- get get paid, get a paycheck. Mm-hmm. But there's a thing called a spousal IRA. So we opened one up for her. And my wife's 20. So I'm thinking, like, I am so jealous of her. Mm-hmm. Because she's starting ten years earlier than me, yeah. And man, like the compounding that can happen at that level, yeah. is so insane. So by the time that she's sixty, 
Like she's gonna be balling. She's gonna be cash money millionaire. I'll be asking her to borrow money. Well, it's a good thing you got separate bank accounts. I can monitor both. So that's that's the math. And he has some some good examples. Some good examples of this. But right, I think on page one forty eight he has one where this person making right now like fifty k. I think he says. Um, if they do this, they would have eight million by the time they are seventy or something like that. So, and you think like fifty thousand dollars a year, and uh, so that's kind of like your average American yeah. uh, income. And 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 most people, especially if you're like a hardworking Christian person, by the time that you're thirty years old, you probably will be making more than fifty thousand dollars yeah. a year. Um, or if your wife is is working as well, say she's teaching somewhere, and you're able to piece something together that's more than that um you could have like you have way more than that by the time you are 70 any other final thoughts on um kind of investing retirement he's going to go into you need to put 25 percent into each of these different kinds of funds right um meet with a financial advisor help them uh, set that up any final comments on this chapter no, I think, you know, I think just two things. One You is, said no, and then you started talking, so you should it, say it, yes. It, yeah. <laughs> it's like that Minnesota, things. it's like a Minnesotan thing. It's like, oh, oh no, and then you, you yeah. know, oh, no. No, yeah. but yes, no, yes, yes yeah. but no. Exactly. I, I, you know, take the guy out of Minnesota and can't take the Minnesota out of the guy, unfortunately. Um, was it? Now I've forgotten. No, I remember. <laughs> yes. You meant it when you said no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I remember. I think one big picture thing that this chapter, I think for us, it's hard to think about this long term thing, right? Because, you know, even for myself, you get to this step and it can be easy to kind of say, well, why bother? Yeah. Right? Remind me how old you are. 24. You're 20. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you, if you're doing this now, man. Right. So, but I think that's part of the temptation is to, is to either, either why bother or not make it a consistent habit. Because you've got time. Because you've got time. Or to, you know, granted, Ramsey's not the end-all be-all with money, but to fiddle with the percentages, right? Yeah. And this actually made me kind of reconsider where my own investment, because right now I think I've got, I've got like 7% of my income in a Roth IRA, okay. um, or at least that's where I want it to be. And then another 7% is just kind of mutual fund. Yeah. So that, this actually chapter has made me kind of rethink, oh, wait, should I be putting it this way? Uh, and the temptation can be, oh, I've got time, you know, um, or when I get more income, yeah, then I'll, I'll, start, doing then I'll this. start doing this. Yeah. Um, because right now I'm focusing on these more important things. And, and the, the reality of it is when you do a budget month to month, you begin to realize how much of your money goes towards things that aren't essentials, yeah. right? And there's a curmudgeonly way to do about this, uh, to go about this, or a way to start sort of nano uh, analyzing everything so that you aren't actually enjoying what God's given you. You're not actually rejoicing in uh, the gifts of the things of earth, um, and you're so miserly that you're not actually present. Yeah. The way to do this, but it's also just like we've talked about throughout all these books. Um, it really is this mindset of dominion and and receiving from God. Yeah. Everything is, uh, in essence, on loan from him, right? God has given you an investment. He's, he's given you a nest egg, and we're going to be called to account for it. And so, in one sense, when we get to the end of our lives, um, we'll only have ourselves to blame yeah. for our, you know, relative wealth or poverty. Granted, you've got the 
God's providences and um, the Job stories. But um, so I think that's just one big takeaway. I think the temptation would be like, oh, 15% of my income for something I'm not going to see for 40 years. Yeah. Um, It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Uh, On the gross. Yeah. 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 And you're just like, hmm, (laughs) uh, 10% of my income is a lot, you know. Um, So I think that's one big temptation. Uh, One other thing he mentioned, and we've kind of talked about a little bit, is the ability for something like a Roth IRA to play double duty, right? So to to be something that you can withdraw you know, in retirement. But then also, I think it's for first-time homeowners. Yeah. You can also substitute as your down payment. So yeah. I think that's that's one area where I, I like that you have started one for Ellen. I think that's a really creative, yeah. like, actually solution. Um, but, yeah, just something to consider as you're, you know, planning these things out. Uh, even if you do decide, oh, it makes sense for us to use this for our house down payment, you better have also have thought about ways to replenish that, Yeah. right? So that you're just not undoing that retirement work that you did. Yeah. And it was confirming, you know, when we met with our our financial advisor, Justin Swift at Northwestern's great, great guy. And I told him like, I told him, here's what I'm thinking. I I had this idea and I was like, let me just see what, you know, a professional says about this. And he was like, yeah, this is actually what we did. My wife and I did as well with our home. We it in here and so that was confirming to me that okay i'm on the right track this this is a a good a good move a smart move Mm. um as someone who doesn't know exactly when we are we are going to try to buy uh, or not yeah Uh, the one the one thing that i think did it for me was looking at some compound interest calculators he has one example i think earlier in the book where he talks about someone who like you know just invested i think like 2000 for 10 years while they were like in their early 20s. And then someone who I think started maybe at like 30 and invested $2,000 every year Mm -hmm. for like 40 years or something. And they never caught up just because, because of time. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like every year, every month, every day that goes by where you aren't doing these things, you're, you're losing out on the potential compounding that can happen. And so, I would encourage you guys, uh, especially if you're young, if you're in college, and maybe you you still are just like paycheck to paycheck because you're in school or something. Mm-hmm. Go look go look up a compound interest calculator and run a few scenarios. If you start investing, you know when you're 20, versus when you start investing when you're 30 or 35 or whenever you think you're going to finally get that really big raise and get the job, and it is substantial. Yeah, it's very substantial. So it's like if you have money and you're like, all right, I want to buy buy a car. Think about what exactly do you need and where could that money be elsewhere better serving you? And, and that's, um, that, I think, was very persuasive just looking at, at the numbers. Yeah. All right, Jacob. Well, we are making our way through this book, and we got new equipment in here, so hopefully this podcast sounds like way better. Uh, and, and we'll try to increase the content as well, <laughs> yeah. make the content much better. Everyone's like, wait, I can hear you guys now, and what is going on? Yeah. So, uh, Jacob, what should people do this week? Well, whatever you do this week, make sure that you get that wisdom, you build that house, you rule that big fat belly, and you, belly, I said that funny, belly, <laughs> and then you stack dollars for your grandbabies. Yeah.